going to talk a little bit about something that is a little bit different than maybe what you've heard in the past. I've never shared on this before, and so I'm thrilled to talk about it. And it comes out of the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 46. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn there with me. Otherwise, they'll have the scripture up on the screen. But this is a story that happens just before Holy Week. We've just come through Holy Week. Uh, it's where Jesus is coming into Jerusalem to the Passover feast. And uh, through Holy Week, this would have been the time when he is crucified and when he dies and he is resurrected. The events of Mark chapter 10 happen just before Holy Week. He's passing through a city called Jericho. Um, and he is headed into Jerusalem. And we're going to camp out at a story of a man named Bartimaeus. In fact, most people would know him by the name of Blind Bartimaeus. Uh, that's what people have called him. And maybe you've read it in the past or maybe you're new to Christianity. It's okay. I want to give you a little bit of context of what's taking place in this passage. Jesus is passing through. He's on an assignment. He realizes that this is the last week of my life. I'm heading to the end, the goal. And the goal is that he would save humanity, that his blood would redeem back, purchase back God's people. And so he's going through this place called Jericho. Now, Jericho, you would have heard about in Sunday school, or if you're around church, this would be the first city that God's people would conquer in the promised land, the one where they marched around seven times and the walls fall down. That's the same Jericho. Now, this city has been established now for 1,400 years uh, and had been recognized. Now, Herod rebuilds the city, and it's not just a typical city, but it's an oasis, it's what people would have called a, you know, a resort city, something like Palm Springs, California. If you've ever been there, a place that everybody wants to go to and be a part of, where the rich and the famous would be at. And so as we read the story about a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, it's not unusual that he would be sitting on the side of the road because the rich and the affluent would be there. And as a beggar, he would be very likely for him to get alms and charity from the rich people that had such a good life. And that's where we pick up in verse 46. It says, when Jesus and his disciples had passed through Jericho, a large crowd joined them. And upon leaving the village... So you can imagine Jesus is walking through Jericho. People start coming around Jesus, and he's getting to the end, and he's passing through the village. What I find interesting about him passing through is that in a city where people have got everything on the outside, they're dying and lost on the inside. And you've got this blind beggar who is sitting here, and he recognizes in this moment that this is not a good man, it's not a prophet, but this is the Messiah, this is Jesus, God in the flesh. And where people see Jesus passing by, what they don't recognize, but we do, is that that is salvation passing by. That is hope itself passing by. That is healing, and it has a name, and his name is Jesus. And though the people around Jesus, when it says the crowd was there, they could see physically, it seems to us that the only one that could really see is blind Bartimaeus spiritually. <laughs> the answer was passing by. It says, upon leaving the village, he met a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road named Bartimaeus. And when Bartimaeus heard Jesus from Nazareth was passing by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me now in my affliction. And then he asked Jesus, Jesus, would you heal me? Heal me. 
And think about it. The opportunity of a lifetime is now passing him by. And he calls out. And it says, those in the crowd, they were indignant. They scolded him for making so much of a disturbance. But he kept shouting with all of his might, son of David, have mercy on me now and heal me. Jesus stopped and said, look, call him to me. So they went on to the blind man and said, have courage, get up, Jesus is calling you. Now I love this because here we see Jesus who is on an assignment to save the world and yet he makes time for the one. I mean, did, did you read the passage? Look at what happens. Jesus wasn't on assignment to heal blind Bartimaeus. Jesus is on assignment to go to the cross, and yet we know that this insignificant beggar, the one that people have cast to the side, the one that says he's got no value, the very son of God, God himself, when that blind man called out, when that beggar called out, when the one that others said was insignificant called out, Jesus stops. Imagine that the timeline for salvation is paused, all because of a person crying out to the Son of God. Heaven's assignment is interrupted. And see, Bartimaeus, he understood who was passing by. He understood that this is his opportunity to be healed. And Jesus said to him, what do you want from me? The man replies, my master, please let me see again. Jesus responds, your faith heals you. Go in peace. Then his sight was restored. All at once, the man's eyes are opened and he could see again. And he began at once to follow Jesus walking down the road. I love the story. What we see with blind Bartimaeus is that he understood his issue. How many know the blind Bartimaeus knew he was blind? And I think if we're going to experience the miracle in our life that we need, the healing that we need, whatever it is that we need, we've got to be honest about our issue. That we've got to be honest and say, look, I'm not okay. I need you to know it's okay to not be okay. We can come to church, we could play church, or we could actually be the church. And it's okay if you've got issues in your life. But if we will learn, like blind Bartimaeus, to recognize that this is my issue and to be honest with my issue, then God can take your beauty and make it ashes. He can make blessing where there's mourning. He can give you praise in the middle of despair. But we've got to be honest. Got to be honest. And I love that in verse, look, look what he says. Jesus said to him, he said, what do you want for me to do? The man replied, master, please give me sight again. I mean, isn't it funny that Jesus would ask him? You'd think he's a blind man. Jesus can see the blindness. And I don't think he did it because Jesus was confused. Jesus did it because he wants to know, blind Bartimaeus, do you know your issue? See, it's one thing to go to God and say, just heal me. But it's another thing to say, God, I've got some pain in my life. This is my issue. I need you to heal me from my issue. He wants to know if you're honest enough with yourself to ask him to heal the issue that you have in your life. And then blind Bartimaeus, this translation, the passion translation, one of the, my favorite. When you read the NIV version, it doesn't say to see again. It says to see but when you study out the original context, it's to see again, to see again. That means there was a point in blind Bartimaeus' life where everything was good and then it wasn't, where he had a normal life and then it wasn't, where everything in his life was moving forward and then all of a sudden, we don't know why he's blind, we don't know how he became blind, but now he is blind. Have you ever had a moment in your life where life was good and then it wasn't? 
My marriage was good, and then it's not. My family is good, and then it's not. My finances were good, and then it's not. And we see that pain and trauma is a part of life. You can't run from pain. What we have to do is grow through pain. We can't allow ourselves to get stuck in pain. And what we see is if you get stuck in pain, then you're stuck in your life. Pain of the past, the trauma, the, the things that happen. There's uncertainty that is created, and then that uncertainty creates issues. And then those issues begin to define us. I mean, we know blind Bartimaeus had an issue. See, before we know his name, we knew his issue. In fact, you don't say Bartimaeus without saying blind Bartimaeus. And I wonder for us if we've not allowed our issue to become our identity. We got issues in life. You might have financial issues. You might have health issues. You might have relational issues. You might have mental issues. You might have spiritual issues. I don't know what it is, but I wonder if we've not allowed those issues to define our lives. And then we just begin to see life through the issues. It becomes what we call our filter. Our filter. So, so, so we, if you've ever heard this, this is, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. And we got all these issues and challenges, and it's like, so I begin to look through the filter. And, and have you ever seen that you find what you're looking for? <laughs> if you're looking for people to hurt you, you're going to find more of hurt. You're looking for people to let you down? Come on, there's always somebody going to let you down. So you begin to see the life through the filter of the pain, through the filter of the issue. And then some of you are like, I ain't got no issues. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's your issue. <laughs> Let's ask your spouse. Right? It's, 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 somebody got a real thank you. Is that Phyllis? You better shut your mouth, girl. You better watch it. Don't try to help me preach that good. <laughs> it's our issues. They begin to be our filter and our identity. And, and you know how it is. We like to wear our issues. We like, like blind Bartimaeus. We, we like to wear it. We like to dress them up. We got some designer issues. We like to wear the designer issues to church. You know, we want to wear our nice issues. Some of you got a whole rack full of issues. <laughs> and you just pull them out based on the occasion. <laughs> we, we do. We love. We love to talk about the issues. We love for the issues to identify us and become our identity. And, you know, before long, our life is full of these issues that have defined us as people. And then some of our issues, you know, I mean, whew, man. Ah, this is a fourth service, man. My arm don't go around that up. <laughs> so, so we got these issues. Look at that. Look, I, and, and here's what happens in our life. We just, oh, man, this is looking good. My God. We got issues. They're not even our issues. We're wearing issues of other people. You got hurt from church or relationship, and you've carried the issue of someone else. Someone said, well, why is that your issue? Well, I don't know. It hurt them, and that's their problem. And so you've identified your life with someone else's issue that's got nothing to do with you. Why? Because we love to carry the issues of others. Some of you, look, we got some, we got some church issues, got some hurt. And, and I'm always amazed at the, at the church hurt you know, because here, here's what will happen is you walk into a church, nobody knows you, and one of the first things we say is, I got hurt at my other church. What have you allowed? You've allowed that issue 
to now define this relationship. Look, I, I just got to tell you, you got hurt at that church. You're probably going to get hurt at this church. you probably get hurt at the next church. Why? Because you've allowed your issue to be your identity. See, I'm always amazed. People say, well, I got hurt at church. Yeah, but you got hurt at work. You didn't quit your job. I mean, I got, you know, I get it. It's, <laughs> hold on, I better put that one back. Hold up. Put that one. Why? Because you needed the paycheck. And I wonder if some of us would stay in the house where God planted us. Because look, you're going to get hurt. Why? Because people hurt people. And so what we're going to do is we're going to stay planted. We're going to keep moving forward. And, and look, some of us got issues that are generational issues. This is my son's jacket. So we got some generational issues that were passed down to you. Maybe it's the, the issue of addiction. Your grandpa was an addict. Your parent was an addict. And now you've got the issue of addiction in your life. Here's my question. Will you deal with the issue like blind Bartimaeus and throw it off and receive a new identity with God? Or will your kids deal with the issue that you never dealt with? <clears throat> we got issues. But I'm grateful for a God that would pause on his assignment to save humanity. And it was because blind Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus for help. I love the fact that Jesus loves people with issues. Mark 2, 17, Jesus is talking to the religious and the thing that he tells the religious, they're, they're upset that he's eating with the religious and hanging out with them. And here's his words. He says, it's not the healthy that need the doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinner. Aren't you glad we serve a God that came for the lost, the hurting, the broken, and said, I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty, but I'll get messy. Barnabas, he cries out to Jesus for help, and that's what we got to do. Cry out, cry out to God. Look what he says. He says, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me now in my affliction, heal me. And then those in the crowd, they're indignant. They scolded him for making such a disturbance, but he kept shouting with all of his might, son of David, have mercy on me now and heal me. Now that phrase back then would have been very significant. The fact that he says son of David means that he recognized Jesus through the lineage of King David as the one and true Messiah. He wasn't the son of Joseph. He wasn't just Jesus. He was the Messiah understanding the position of who he was, he was now able to receive the fullness of God's healing. Have mercy on me. Jesus stops, calls him here, and he said, look, take courage. That's what the people said. I, I love how in this whole interaction, people get uncomfortable when we get desperate. Right. I, look, if ain't nobody uncomfortable around you, we may not be desperate enough. We may, may not be radical enough because when you get desperate, when you get radical, it makes people feel a little bit uncomfortable. I, and you wish that when your life changed, because many of you, you gave your life to Christ and things changed. You came out of the club. You maybe weren't in the club, but you just weren't in church. You were out at the lake and hanging out with friends. Well, God saves you. Now you're in church and you're there every Sunday. You start serving. Your kids go to youth group. You're in a small group. I mean, life is changing. You're tithing. You come to prayer on Thursday. And then here's the funny thing. Your life is getting better. You're going to the one who can change you. And people are like, why are you doing all that? The same ones who were bothered with your issues. You know, the ones that are like, you need help. You go get help, and they're like, oh, you ain't got to be so spiritual. You know, why? Because you're making them feel bad. 
And so they start to hate. Anybody got any haters? Anybody ever had any haters? You got a few haters, and it's like, listen, this is what I love about Jesus. He actually turns the haters into helpers. That God will flip the script, the ones that hated on you. God will use those same ones. Because then Jesus calls, and they're like, oh, hey, come on. Hey, have a little bit of courage. Jesus is calling. And so they bring him over to Jesus. Haters turn into helpers. And this is what I would tell you. You've got to recognize that we need people in our life. You need people in life. We're not called to live on an island, to be isolated by ourselves. But healing comes in the context of relationship. And that's why we have small groups each and every week. Why? It's because we need relationship. James 5.16 says that if we confess our faults one to another, we pray for each other. The Bible says we will be healed. There is something about taking off the mask, even with people that are imperfect, that make mistakes, but you begin really showing them who you are in an authentic relationship. And the Bible says we experience healing. And I love it. Almost any time you watch in the Bible, where healing takes place, God uses people. Then we see him, of course, the great healer, the great physician. Jesus calls to him and recognizes. Look, there, there are some things, how many know you can only go to the one? It's like, God, I need your help. I'm desperate. I, I, I'm reminded this last week, Phyllis and I have some rental property, and we were getting some AC tune-ups on our properties. And uh, I called a company getting ready for Texas heat because, how many know, summers are hot. And uh, they go in, they're doing some maintenance. That happened on a Monday. On Tuesday evening, I get a phone call from one of the renters, and they took some pictures and said, we don't think this is supposed to be happening, but there's actually water leaking through the ceiling above the attic. Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, uh-oh, that ain't supposed to be happening, but we know what happened. He, somebody stepped on the pipe or the drain pipe, and now it's leaking through the ceiling. And so I'm kind of freaking out. I'm, what was supposed to be maintenance is now a repair, and so I call, and, you know, I'm a little fired up. I'm like, come on, call him. And I start to ask this lady questions, and she didn't seem like a big problem solver. She just started him hauling around, and I'm like, ma'am, I'm just telling you this is an emergency. I, I need you to feel my emergency. <laughs> she said, well, I feel it. No, she didn't. But she's like, you know, what do you want me to do? I said, well, let me just talk to a manager. I just need to talk to a man. I need to talk to somebody who cares. <laughs> Well, hold on, sir. She puts me on hold about five minutes later, passive aggressive, puts me on that hold. Manager picks up, says, hello, I heard you want to talk to me. I did. I need to talk to a manager. So I start to tell him, and she tries to pause me for a second. I'm like, no, you don't understand, ma'am. I need to talk to someone who can solve my problem. I said, are you a manager? She said, well, I am. She said, but sir, I'm really sorry. I can't help you. I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, I'm just the manager of the call center. You need to call the manager of the company. I was talking to the wrong person, someone who couldn't solve my problem. Oh, I like to vent. I wanted to tell them off and go off, but I wonder how many of us in our life, we're just talking to the wrong people. We're having conversations with people that can't help us get the healing that we need in our life. And I'm here to tell you, if we'll cry out to God, God will heal our life. And the third thing that Blind Barman did, he released his issue. He released it. What does that mean? He threw it off. Now, this is really important. When he threw off his coat, we could read the context and just think, well, he just threw off a jacket. No, 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 no. You'll miss it. That jacket was his legal right to his issue. 
That was the legality that he had to sit there and to beg for alms. And so it's what gave him the legal precedence. Back then, nobody would have touched him. He'd have been considered unclean. So the coat would have been the very thing they'd have thrown money in. It's the very thing where they authorized his disability. They authorized his issue. Some of you got issues that other people are authorizing. Yeah, they shouldn't have said that. They shouldn't have done that. And they validate all of your challenges, all of your issues. You need to get you some new friends. You got to throw out all the legal right that you have to be mad and offended and frustrated. Barnabas said, look, I'm tired of this life. And he threw it out. And in faith, he ran to Jesus. Some of you think your issue will make you better, but it's only making you bitter. Blind Bartimaeus threw it off, said, I'm done. It's a sink or swim moment. It's like, God, it's all of you or it's nothing. We've got to throw off the issues that we have. See, it's hard to receive when your hands are full. Sometimes we come to church and our life is full of issues. We're full of the things that life has thrown at us, and we don't come to God with, with open hands, with empty hands, having released and cast it all back on him. There's a story of a man named Stephen who God used and touched in a powerful way, even over the last couple of months. And I want you to see his story of how he released his issue to God. So before I came to the church, I was in the darkest place that I'd ever been in in my entire life. Um, I was out just trying to find my escape into anything that I could, whether it be you know, drinking or, or doing drugs and just kind of not knowing where I was gonna end up by the end of the night. I was new to Texas and I didn't really have any family here, uh, just, just one family member and no friends and not really having anyone to lean on or, or to go to so I, uh, I leaned into like some of the darkest places that I possibly could. A rock bottom moment for me for sure I remember just, just sitting on the side of the road on a, on a sidewalk and I had actually just wrecked my vehicle. And I, I shouldn't have been alive, let alone probably even just out in the world. I should have been, I should have been dead, or I should have been in jail. And for whatever reason, I believe that I had an angel just looking over me at that time. And then um, even an officer who had talked to me just, just gave me grace. And I knew that just sitting there in that moment that I had like, where, where was I? And who am I? Well, why have I gone to the places that I have in, in search of, of who I am? Whenever I'd finally gotten to that point and I just realized then, you know, my sister had really just been seeking and urging me to, to come to the church with her and I finally just, just gave in and at that point it was, well, you know, what do I have to lose because I'm already as far as I can go. The first experience I had with Anchor Ben was actually at our At The Movies series. And, uh, you know, when she invited me to church, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, I don't wanna, I don't wanna go and like sing hymnals and, and, and this, that, and the other. And then I show up and then everyone's dressed up as, you know, superheroes and, and Disney princesses. And I'm just kind of like thinking to myself, like, what's going on? You know, I thought that everyone was really crazy. And I just saw, I saw joy. I saw happiness and, uh, and those people that were, you know, sharing love and happiness with me just started pouring into me as well. And it really just made me, like, realize what, what the love of God looks like. Um, God just spoke to me that I'm not 
the things that I've done and I'm not the feelings that I have felt and just being able to to be there and to know that he still loved me even though I abandoned him knowing who he was and I was still doing the things that I was doing wow come on isn't that powerful that he's not the things that he's done that his issues didn't define his life and he released them and then did really the last thing he received the promise and followed Jesus and that's what blind Bartimaeus did. He received the promise and then immediately began to follow Jesus. And what I want you to see is look at the passage. He says, Jesus responded, your faith heals you. Go in peace. And then look at this phrase right here. Y'all look at that right there. It says, your sight restored. Restored, restoration. God's in the restoration business. See, the enemy wants to come and lie to you and say, you've done too much, you've gone too far, your, your life is messed up, it'll never be worth anything. Maybe it's a past relationship, maybe it's finances, maybe it's your health. And I want you to know that God's in the restoration business, that what the enemy meant to steal, kill, and to destroy, I love the next passage and part of it in John 10, 10 says, but I have come that you might have life, but not just life, life more abundantly. And when you think about restoration, I love to look at cars that have been restored. Many of the men in here, you would know what I'm talking about, but you go get an old car and someone will go get them out of the, the junkyard and that car has you know, been destroyed, whether through rust, lack of maintenance, and it's broken down, but you get someone who's got a vision for the car and says, oh, that, that's an amazing car. I know the condition it's in. It doesn't look nice, but I've got a vision for that car. I know what it can look like. I know the potential of what it could be, and that's what God does. He looks at your life. You're sitting in the mess. You feel like you're in the junkyard of life, and God says, I made you. I know the potential of your life. And then just like that person restoring the classic, begin to work on it, fixing the body, fixing the upholstery in the window and all the different pieces, the wheels. And then the next thing you know, anybody who collects classic cars, that classic has more value than when it first rolled off the showroom floor when it was sold. That's a picture of your life that the enemy tried to steal, kill, and destroy. Pain happens to us all, but God wants to get, take that pain and give it purpose. And what once was a prison, God will use it as a platform to help people along the journey just like you to receive the miracle that God has for your life. Would you stand up with me? I wanna pray over you today.